right, Romans chapter number one, Romans chapter number one. I appreciate that song. I grew up listening to that song, and it's good to hear it again. Uh, no, just kidding. That's the first time that song's ever been sung. Uh, I believe Brother Brian wrote that song, and so um, uh, those that tutoring's been paying off, and so, uh, but uh, I'm thankful for the music we have and all the effort that goes into it, and I certainly look forward to what the Lord has for us tonight. Romans chapter 1, I'm going to read uh, the latter part of Romans chapter number 1 again this evening, and as I mentioned, I, I of course announced it again this morning, and I mentioned last Sunday, uh, for a few Sunday nights, I'm going to preach from this passage, and I think it's going to uh, pull back the veil uh, and it, help us understand uh, why some things are taking place. And uh, then, of course, how, what can we do about it or what should we do about it as a child of God? Uh, there are some things that are very, very troubling in our world today, very, very troubling in our nation today. Uh, but the, the mission of the church does not change. Uh, our responsibility is still to preach the gospel. Our responsibility is still to reach the world. And, uh, but, and I mentioned uh, briefly this morning, I hope you caught it, that God gives us the word of God, not just so we can know a bunch of facts um, about uh, uh, the scripture and the things that took place. I think we should know that. But God gives us the Bible so that we can have a victorious Christian life, so we can have victory in our life, so that we can go through this life as a pilgrim, as the Bible describes it, and uh, we can look forward to uh, the other side, but we can have victory, we can have success as a Christian, uh, we can have joys, we can win people to Christ, and uh, even in a wicked world, we can do that. We have a responsibility to do that, and so tonight I think it'll, it'll help us, and as I, I study this, Romans chapter 1, you're familiar with it because we were in it last um, uh, Sunday night, uh, there, there's a list at the end of this chapter that we're going to read once again that is a list that we just we don't want to be a part of. But you begin thinking, and we've been I've been I've been preaching a lot, and it just happens to be uh, all from uh, the vantage point of the Apostle Paul. You think about these uh, spirit, spirit, the wickedness in high places. Uh, you think about the prince and the power of this air, how we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. And you can see in our nation, we get frustrated. Even some of our leaders, well, it's just the prince of the power of this air and this principality, uh, he's just getting things ready as the Bible tells us that he is preparing things. Uh, but our hope is in the Lord, and that's what we need to be reminded of. And Paul says, in spite of that, we still put on the whole armor of God uh, so that we can battle in that spiritual warfare. You think, as I taught uh, you many, many, and this is leading somewhere, many, uh, many, many Wednesday nights through a year, uh, taught on the emerging church. And we taught much from 2 Timothy chapter number 3 uh, and how uh, it's the religious who are going to have those characteristics. And you tie that list, and many of those characteristics are the same that's in Romans chapter number 1. You think about, the Bible says there's a generation, there's the, there's the falling away. All of this ties together because God's book is a book of order. It's a divine book. God has put it there for us as his children to grow, and to, but to know what we're dealing with. And as we discern the times, I think it's important that we not get caught up in commentary. We not get caught up in emotion, but we let the Bible instruct us and inform us of some things. And so I want to be as, as, as quick as I can be this evening and it's straight to the point, because I wanted to, to help us tonight. Romans chapter number 1, verse 16 is where we'll start. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, 
For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools." and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, bite-biters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant-breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them. Uh, the end of the progression, if you will, from once you are presented the truth of the Almighty God, there is a God. He's a God we're to honor. He's a God we're to serve, to worship. As I mentioned last week, verse 16 reminds us salvation is available to all men. When God is rejected, the end result is going to be what we can say, reprobate living. Tonight, I'm going to use verses 21 through 23, and we're going to look at some steps to reprobate living. Now, I want to accomplish two things. I'll mention this before I pray tonight. One, I want us to be able to see what's going on in our world and how we got there. And then two, I want us to be guarded uh, and be, be aware of the steps that it takes to slide to get to a place where we never thought we'd ever be, or we couldn't imagine living as a child of God. And so I want to accomplish those two things tonight. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that uh, through the Word of God we'll be helped tonight. Uh, may you organize my thoughts. May uh, this help us as we uh, go forth in this world, as we deal uh, with the world that we are in. Uh, Father, may we just continue to keep our focus on you, our focus on the truth. And Father, may you bless your people tonight, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, just to review very quickly from last Sunday night, verses 16 through 20, 
uh, tells us that God reveals himself to all men. Uh, I'll not re-preach it and go through the scripture again, but God makes it known that he reveals himself to all men and how he does that. Then man has a choice. He either accepts or rejects God. We are not living in a society where there is multiple uh, choices of how we are to live. We either accept God or we reject Him. As a nation, we accept God or we reject Him. In your home, you either accept God or you reject Him. In your own personal life, you either accept God or you reject Him. Uh, We have been convinced unknowingly many times, and we have been uh, desensitized to the truth to the point where we think that we can come up with an alternative truth. There's an alternative way, and no, there's either accepting God or rejecting Him. And let me just say what ought to be obvious to us. uh, If you don't accept Him in His entirety, you're rejecting Him. No matter how it's justified, uh, it is being, uh, it, it is rejecting the Almighty God. That's why I am more concerned with being scripturally correct than politically correct. If my acceptance of God and His truth is politically incorrect in the day we live in, so be it. Let it be that way because uh, we either accept Him or we reject Him. And on that principle and that precept is going to lead us to where I want to get to tonight. Ultimately, the rejection will lead to reprobate living. Ultimately, a rejecting of God will end at the end of chapter number one. You say, why is that important? Because we can see it in our own nation. As our nation has rejected God, there's a progression I can, I can give you examples of, uh, of Christians today who are living in a way that you could not imagine they're living in, and they would have said, I would never live that way. Well, how did it start? It rejected the ultimate truth of God, and there is a progression. You do not say, well, I don't want God, but I'm just going to live just as far away from Him. No, because there's a progression that takes place we're going to see tonight. Before we get to that place... Uh, we need to, 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 before we get there, we look at the steps that take place to reprobate living. We did not get to where we are in our nation overnight. It has taken time. And by the way, on that note, that's why you can't hashtag revival and we get it all back. It took a generation or two to get here. And that's why the preacher today has to to appeal to a generation that said, somebody's got to be the generation that says, we sacrifice our dreams, we sacrifice our goals, we give our lives so that we can plant churches again in the United States of America, we can hold churches strong, we can win the people on the street. It's going to take a generation to get it back. You can't hashtag or have a a one-night prayer meeting to get revival back. There's got to be some who are willing to do that. That came out of nowhere. Remember what we are dealing with as we deal with our world today. We are dealing with the rejection of divine revelation. I hold in my hand divine revelation. In the text we used last week in Romans chapter number 1... we read how God reveals himself. I don't know all the ways that God revealed, has revealed himself to man throughout the centuries, but the Bible says that through divine revelation, man knows 
that there is a God and He is to be worshipped. Divine revelation for you and I is the Word of God. Uh, man does not like the divine revelation. What we deal with today in our world and our society is either accepting divine revelation or rejecting divine revelation. I know the Bible says that the just live by faith. I know the Bible says, for by grace are ye saved. But my church teaches that's not okay. You either accept divine revelation or you reject divine revelation. That is the reality of the situation. And we are living... You look at the history of our nation and the trajectory we are on. Uh, it, it doesn't get any better when all of a sudden as a nation, we've been one nation under God. And then it becomes, well, however you get to God. However you worship. However you, 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 you seek the things of God. Remember, we're dealing with a rejection of divine revelation which leads us to the acceptance of man's elevation. If we reject divine revelation, we then elevate man. See, we live in a society today where we have a lot of proclaimed atheists. What is it? They've rejected divine revelation. They have rejected what, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. They reject that. They're, they're, no matter what they tell you, there's no scientific evidence or logic in millions and millions of years ago. There is zero logic. There is zero documentation or proof. Whenever someone, well, this happened to me and millions of years ago, I want to raise my hand and say, who was here? Who, who witnessed that? There is no documentation. There is no logic. There is no proof. As a matter of fact, there's scientific evidence that the world is not that old. But they will ignore it. They will, you say they, they lie about it? Yes. Why? Because they have rejected divine revelation. That is not a neutral position. When you reject divine revelation, you now place yourself as an enemy of God. You now place yourself on the other side of God. Are you saying these evolutionists who, who push that? I'm saying they have rejected divine revelation that says there is a creator. He's the God of all things. And they put themselves on the other side. That is not a neutral position. They have to stick to their talking points to, to try and prove their point because they have to elevate man. So we have a society of a lot of proclaimed atheists. What they've done, they've rejected divine revelation. Hold on, we have a society of a lot of prodigal Christians who have also rejected divine revelation. And this is where I want you to stay with me, and I'll get through. I have, I have six steps tonight, and I'll go through those quickly. I'm going to spend my time in the introduction. Society it re, is revealed in society, and society today revels in the debauchery of reprobate living. There's a lot of taglines that are said, and what was in the back alley is not on the now on Main Street. Now, what used to be illegal is, is, is legislated. If you speak out against it, you're the one committing the offense or crime. We have a society where those that live in debauchery 
are the ones who are idolized, the ones that much of our society wants to see what they posted on social media or what commentary they have. And every time I hear one, listen to one of those, I, my IQ drops a few points, so I don't understand it. But that's a society. But there, we also know, and I can tell you, I'll speak from a personal standpoint, I know those who claim to be saved, and at one time, I saw evidence of salvation in their life who live in the debauchery of reprobate living. You look at the list at the end of the chapter, and they're in there. And they flaunt it. And they push it. Now, I'm not here to decide whether somebody's saved or not saved. Because I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be surprised that some are there. And we're going to be surprised that some aren't there. That's the reality of it. That's not my place. My place is as we look at Scripture, when you reject divine revelation, I said this last Sunday night, I'm going to say it again. It is a dangerous thing to have the truth and reject it. In the life of a Christian who belongs to an independent Baptist church, soul winning, tithing, missionary supporting, separated, uh, believes in holiness, Baptist church, King James Baptist church. It is a dangerous thing to reject divine revelation. When the Spirit of God speaks to you through the Word of God, it's a dangerous thing to say, I'm not doing that. It's a dangerous thing to make a commitment to God and say, I'm not following through with that. Because I'm going to show you tonight that there are steps to reprobate living. And before I get to them, amazingly, there are some that I would say are living. At one time, there was evidence of salvation in their life. Part of, I mentioned the emerging church when, before the prayer tonight. We see a political change, a liberal change in our nation pushing the debauchery that we read of in Romans chapter number 1. Surprisingly, where a lot of this is coming from are these large emerging churches. They're pro-gay marriage, they're pro-abortion, they're pro-socialism. And it seems to be an oxymoron because they're a quote-unquote church. But not if you've studied the Bible. Not if you've had a pastor teach you for a year on the emerging church. You know that the whole movement exists. Their whole quote-unquote church exists out of rebellion against the Word of God. And if they rebel against divine revelation, that is not a neutral position. Well, I just don't agree with the Bible, so I'm going to go down to such and such a church. It don't matter how many church memberships you have on your Spiritual resume. A rejection of truth is a rejection of truth. And what I want us to understand is one who rejects the divine revelation should never say, that'll never happen to me. I would never do that. We'll never get to that place. If we were to resurrect uh, those who lived a hundred years ago in our nation and let them see what's going on on the streets, what's being taught in the schools, what is on our televisions, they would not believe it. Because it took steps to get there. 
There are some Christians today, they are living in rejection of divine revelation. They say, there's some things I would never do. And I would say, be careful what you say, because there was a time when Lot said the same thing. If you had gone to Lot and said, before he pitched his tent, or when he pitched his tent towards Sodom and said, the day's going to come when you'll offer your daughter to a society of men to do whatever they would do with in order to save yourself, he would be insulted beyond measure. Probably like some young people have looked at this preacher when I looked him in the eye and said, the day's going to come when you're going to participate in things, and you're going to be involved in things that you can't imagine because there's a progression to get to where you're going. We ought to be reminded that it is the rejection of divine revelation. That's why it is important for you to stay in that book. It is important for you to submit to that book. It is important for you to live according to that book. Our nation needs to get back to the Bible. Our nation needs to get back to the Word of God. Why? Because blessings come from the accepting of the, of the Word of God. But a rejection of the divine revelation, you're not staying where you're staying. I'm going to show you this from the Scripture. I'm going to give you the six steps. You ready for them tonight? Number one, we see in verse number 21, because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Step number one is there's a dethroning of God. There's a dethroning of God. We have seen this in our own nation. We have taken God off of the throne. Now, what I mean by that, obviously, God's still on the throne. But in our own life, we dethrone God. We need a revival of what I preached this morning. When a Christian gets to the place of trouble, they just say, oh, Lord, and they go to God for help. But we need a revival of Christians trembling at the, the thought of the judgment of God. We need to get back in our nation of a nation who is less afraid of a mob on social media, of a rioting group that an almighty God who's going to judge because of the abortion clinic, who's going to judge because of the mockery of righteousness. We need a revival of a fear of God, but yet we've dethroned God. What happened to Lot before he got to where he was going to be? He dethroned God in his life. These who were members of this church at one time, these who I think in my mind were young people in our, our, our youth group at one time, who now, unfortunately, live in a way that I, th I tell you, they never would have thought they'd live in. What happened? They dethroned God. When I preached like I'm preaching tonight, they said, that don't apply to me. He's not in charge of my life. I'm not concerned with what he wants. And by the way, let me, let me, I'm trying to help you tonight. You know when God wants you to do something in your, in your Christian life and you're not doing it? Explain to me how that's not dethroning God. You better be careful. Now, I praise God tonight. God is a gracious God. God is a merciful God. God is a patient God. I love one of the things that comforts this preacher's heart and this Christian's heart is in the book of Jonah. When, when Jonah writes about halfway through that book, I believe it's chapter 3, and the voice of God came again. 
And he came again to Jonah. After Jonah had said no, God came again. God's a merciful God. Make no mistake about that. God is a patient God. Make no mistake about that. But there is a progression that you find in Scripture of how when we reject the truth of divine revelation, we in an instant don't go to verse number 30 of chapter number 1. There's a progression in the first one is the dethroning of God. When they knew God, they glorified not Him not as God. You and I, it's our should be our goal to glorify Him as God. Whatever God wants, God gets. It's, it's, we worship God. We don't worship the things of this world. We live our life so that we're in a better position to worship Him. Number one is the throning of God. Number two, we see in verse 21 as well. They glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. Number two, the second step is the elevation of man through unthankfulness. Through unthankfulness. We have missed this as Christians. We have missed this as God's people. We have missed this as a society. And the more I study this book and the older I I live, the more I realize how unthankfulness and how ungratefulness turns the, the stomach of God. We don't think it's a big deal to be ungrateful, unthankful. God thinks it's a very big deal. You'll find in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, the signs of the last times right there in that list is unthankfulness. You'll find as evidenced in in the characteristics of those in Romans chapter number 1 who who are living a reprobate life, unthankfulness. And you'll also find one of the steps to a reprobate is unthankfulness. We see it in our own nation today. We have a a generation of young people who are ungrateful for the sacrifices that have been made so that they have the freedoms that they have. They're ungrateful for the blood that was shed. Well, we need to hear what they say. I know I need to hear what they say. I'm not interested in what they say. I don't care about their grievances because I'm not an ingrate for the blood that has been shed for our nation. They're ungrateful. Some of our own politicians ought to be ashamed of themselves. Are you calling them unpatriotic? Absolutely. Because they would waste and trample the blood of our, of, of our patriots and the price they have paid. Well, they just don't, well, they need to read a history book. It's amazing how many of them would fail fifth grade history. You're welcome. But it's unthankfulness. In these, in these while I'm on it. These athletes making millions of dollars because they're oppressed by the United States of America. Man, oppress me like that. Where do I sign up for that kind of oppression? They're ingrates. They're ungrateful. Hey, we like that preaching, don't we? But hold on. We got a generation of ungrateful Christians. We got a lot of Baptists who are ungrateful for the Baptist blood that was spilled. Well, we want to take the name Baptist down to appeal. I don't. Thank you. 
Because I, I want to I acknowledge and recognize the sacrifices that have been made so that I can say I'm a Baptist. So I, so I, can, so I can worship as a Baptist. So, so I can do what the Bible commands me to do. And there's a lot of you young people that are here tonight and those that aren't here and are watching tonight. Don't you be an ungrateful Christian who has a church where you're taught the Bible, you're preached the Bible, you got a mom or dad that drag you to church whether you want to be there or not. You're taught to be separated, you're taught to give your life to God. Don't be one of these who waste your life. And when you do by your own decisions, you're ungrateful for the sacrifices of mom and dad. You're ungrateful for the prayers of a Sunday school teacher. You're ungrateful for the fight and the stand of a pastor. And you're one of these Christian ingrates. Be careful. That's the elevation of man. Because you think you deserved every sacrifice that was made for you. I deserved for my mom and dad to do without so that I could go to a Christian school. I deserved for the pastor to fight those battles so that I could have a church. I deserved for mom to get up early in the morning and, and get me ready for school and the Mom and dad to make those sacrifices and, and get up early and pray and be troubled and get up in the middle of that. I deserve for that. Matter of fact, there's a lot of things I deserve beyond that, and I don't know why I didn't get it. We see it in our nation. We see it in our church. There's a bunch of ingrates. We have man today who breathes God's air and is ungrateful for it. They live a life that they're ungrateful for. But yet we have many Christians who are the same way. You, you don't have to like everything that I do. You don't have to like everything that I say. You don't have to even like me. I mean, I know that's, I don't understand that. But one thing you ought to recognize is you do have a pastor that cares for you. You do have a pastor that's going to tell you what I believe the Bible says. You may not always... You young people, you may get, and there's a lot of single adults. We have a lot of single adults in our church. You may look back, and you may, you know, you get, you don't have a family yet, but you know how mom and dad should have done it. You got to be grateful for what has been done for you. That's step number two. We have the elevation of men through unthankfulness. Being ungrateful. You, you don't have to like it. You don't have to agree with it, but you still ought to be grateful. You still ought to be grateful. You still ought to be willing. There, there, are, there are individuals in ministry who have wronged me, but yet I can still be grateful for what they have done in my life. And there's this, let's bash all of our Baptist forefathers movement today because they weren't perfect. They, they weren't perfect? Well, I need to throw my Bible out then. No, you're unthankful for the battles they fought. You're unthankful for the stands they took so you could compromise. Number three. Verse 21. But became vain in their imaginations. I want you to notice the progression. The dethroning of God, the elevation of man through unthankfulness. Number three, we have the arrogance of man in his thinking. They became vain in their imaginations. In the United States of America, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to show you two places, and it applies to our churches too. We become, because we've dethroned God, 
We've rejected his truth. We're unthankful for what we have. We begin to elevate ourselves. We become vain in our imaginations. And two, two areas that really reveal itself is an education and philosophy. And, you know, there's a lot going on in our nation, and, and they're arguing over whether or not we're going to start schools, and they're arguing over whether or not we're going to have baseball, and arguing over whether or not we have NBA. I hope we don't. Arguing whether or not we have, we have the NFL. I hope we don't. But they're arguing about all, all of these things I, ho- I hope that we have. But there's one I hope they keep closed, and that's our public universities. Because they have done more to damage our nation than perhaps any other institution. And why is that? It's because they've rejected... Do you realize that Harvard used to train preachers? Think about that. All of these elite Ivy League institutions used to be Christian. What has happened? There came a time when they rejected the truth of God, and the steps progressed. They were ungrateful for what had been handed to them, and they get to a point where they elevate themselves and become arrogant in their thinking, but became vain in their imaginations, and education is placed above character. Education and philosophy is, is, is placed above gratefulness. Well, it, what we need is a revival of work ethic. What we need is a revival of character. We also see this creeping into our churches. Well, is your school accredited? Let me think about that. Nope. North Florida Baptist College opens this fall. Is it going to be accredited? It is. It, it, it is. It is. We have our accreditation. Where do you have it? From the Bible. We teach the Bible. Well, I, I just don't know what value that degree would have. Um, we have become arrogant in our thinking. I'm not against being educated, but you can be educated without a piece of paper on the wall. I'd rather, I mean, I'm thankful for the education I have. I'm thankful for the school education I have. I'm thankful for the Bible college education I have. But I'm more thankful for the time that what God's taught me from this book. It's more important that you have that I'm going to move quickly. Number four. And by the way, I think you you know, I'm, I'm proud of the education our school gives. You know, a lot of these ungrateful who, who leave, they find out just how valuable their Berean Christian Academy uh, degree was. It hasn't hurt them get anywhere. It certainly has helped them get to where they are. Number four, we find the darkening of the heart. This is the fourth step. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him, not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. One one thing that's hard for you and I, and it helps us when we understand this and remember this. We look at people how we think. I don't understand how somebody can think a certain way. I don't understand why somebody would act a certain way. Because to the best of our ability, we try and show the love of Christ. 
We try and let our light shine. But somebody who's had their heart darkened cannot let their light shine. And tonight, I'm trying to remind us, because this is a very tumultuous time in our world. And if we don't understand what we're dealing with, we'll allow our boldness to be pushed aside. We'll allow our focus to get off what it's supposed to be. We'll allow the mission of the church to change, and it should not change. We'll adjust our stand to fit in with society. We should not do that. And their foolish heart was darkened. I'll just sum it up this way because I want to get to point number five and point number six very quickly. They're always going to come to the wrong conclusion. We're going to see, Lord willing, unless the Lord changes my mind, next week we're going to, talk, we're going to see how, what God does to man when man rejects God. It's a very sobering thing. When God says their heart is darkened, it means they're always going to come to the wrong conclusion. Well, I think this is the way it ought to be done. And this, they're always going to come to the wrong conclusion because their heart is darkened. We need, to be, we need to be reminded of the importance of the Word of God. Anything that's good about you and me, credit goes to God. It has to go to God. And we've got to be quick to give God the glory. But when the heart is darkened, we're always going to come to the wrong conclusion. The world that rejects God is never going to be right. The Christian, a double-minded man, is unstable in all his ways. The Christian who rejects the things of God, they're going to come to the wrong, they're going to make the wrong choice. They're not going to come to the right conclusion. Why? Because the heart gets darkened when we reject God. Number five, let's look at verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. We find the fifth step are, are fools claiming wisdom. Fools claiming wisdom. If I haven't upset some of you tonight, I'm going to upset some of you on this one. Pray I get a longer nap next Sunday. Fools claiming wisdom. I've never seen so many idiots claim how smart they are. We got a, we got a bunch of fools... They're teaching universities today who want to claim about how smart they are. And I'll just go ahead and say it and get it out of the way. Well, this expert said that this virus is going to do... Probably, he probably still thinks the earth is a million years old, millions of years old. This same expert is so smart, he thinks we evolved from monkeys. Oh, what did he say today? I'm sorry. We got a lot of... Fools claiming wisdom. And they don't have it. A fool, as the Bible speaks of one, everybody okay? I know it's going to go out. Pastor said that we, don't, we shouldn't do anything, and, and the virus isn't real, and we should all hug and, and give, greet one another with a brotherly kiss. That's how some are going to interpret that and spread it, but not far from that. And it's where, you know, and I am going to pause here for a minute because it bothers me how Christians will listen more to somebody who does not even believe that God is the creator than they will the divine revelation on how we're supposed to live our life. And there's not a group of medical experts that's going to tell me how I can, the choir's starting back in two weeks, how I'm going to do my, run my church and how we're going to do what we're going to do. I'm not, we're not, there's a lot of, Fools claiming to be wise. I've got the divine revelation. 
that is telling me how we are to live. I think we should be wise as serpents and harmless as doves as well. But I think we ought to be careful that we don't allow ourselves to see in a society that is getting away from God. I'm just not going to let somebody who thinks I came from a monkey tell me what is best for me. Look at the Bible notion of a, of a fool. Everybody okay? A fool is one who acts contrary to sound wisdom, one who follows his own intuitions, one who prefers trifling and temporary pleasures to the service of God and eternal happiness. That is a fool. The wise is having the power of discerning and judging correctly. Discerning between what is true and what is false. Discernment of judgment and judgment between what is true and what is false. If somebody can't discern, Genesis 1-1, then they're not very wise. If somebody cannot discern that God is the creator of all things, the Bible says they're a fool. They're not wise. But yet as man rejects God, man will put a lot of letters behind his name and declaim himself wiser than the creator of all things. And if we're not careful as Christians, we can follow the same progression and think that we can live contrary to how God says we should live. Let me read to you very, very quickly Isaiah Chapter number 55 and verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. This will help you in this, in this environment that we live in. God's, his thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. Verse 9, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We have a, we have a, we have a book that tells us how we're to live. We have a book that tells us we're not supposed to live in fear. We have a book that tells us that, that we're supposed to pursue the purpose that is given the church. Now, because things change in our world, we may have to change the, the way we go about it, but what we do should not change. Right now, we, for an example, right now, we can't meet. We were, you know, we, maybe we can, but we've just been very careful meeting on Saturday and as a big army going out into, in the neighborhoods because people, people don't have the peace of God in their heart like you and I have it. But you know, you can, in your interactions with people on a daily basis, you can still give the same gospel. In one respect, this ought to bring it back to the way it should be. We don't depend on the church setting a time. We just are a witness. We may have to depend more on that. That's a little bit closer to the way God designed it. But I read, you know, with this thought of this, sixth, this fifth step, fools claiming wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, I'll read that, verses 18 through 31. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of the world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? 
For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You're a fool today if you just believe you have a sovereign God who can take care of you, who will, who will give you wisdom. The world would say you're a fool. But God says, where are the wise? Who are the wise? Verse 23, but we preach Christ, and unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Sixth step, we find in verse number 23, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man, and to birds and a four-footed beast and creeping things. The sixth step to reprobate living is idolatry. You can look at what's happened in our country and being a student of history, it's not hard to see. That when God is on his throne, it's a better society. You know, somebody really going to make the argument that our public schools are better off now than they were when the Bible was read in the public school. That has got to be one of the greatest coincidences in the history of civilization. Because apparently there's no correlation. What has happened with the rejection of God and our command to worship Him we go through this progression, and it's going to end in idolatry. I don't understand how God did it through the centuries. I've already mentioned that. But as God reveals himself to man, man has a choice through the centuries to accept God, worship God, or reject him. Idolatry is regression, not progression. As a people get closer, they look to God, they progress. When they leave God, they regress. That's why some of you, if you had the opportunity tonight, you could give a testimony of the progression of your home and your family once you got saved. You could talk about the change. And it, it didn't just, your soul got saved, yes, and your eternity got secure, but your family got cleaned up and and, 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 and jobs were available, and, and, and blessings of God was there, and you can see the change in progression. Look what God has done. It's progression. But I could also give examples of those who rejected it and their regression in their own life. And it's not because they're just a victim, and it's not because the standard is too high. There is a principle here that when we set up other idols in our life, idolatry is the last step before. As a matter of fact, it's the bridge that carries you into reprobate living. It's the threshold of where God responds to man's rejection of him. We have idols in our nation today. 
We have idols in our churches today. We have idols in our homes and in our lives. Pastor, what are you talking about? I don't have any, any wooden statue, or you may have some statues. They may be wearing a, a helmet and a, or have a basketball or, man, I'm really meddling tonight, aren't I? See, tonight we could go to some remote villages and find some places that have not been touched by the civilization of this world. And we could find inhabitants that are worshiping stone islands, idols. They worship the sun. They worship the rivers. And they're living in paganism. They're living what we would say is a completely uncivilized manner. They participate in human sacrifice. We would call them barbarians and uncivilized. You study history and you can find the great empires, the Greek specifically, the Greek empire, the Roman empire. And while the advancements of civilization and some of the things that society advanced the gross lifestyle that they live led to their demise and destruction. What they worshipped in the name of God, how they lived in the name of their gods, it was but a matter of time because of their idolatry. You study the history of Israel. God dealt with His people when they made an idol, and they said, this idol is equal to or superior to Jehovah. And that still takes place today when we dethrone. Before that ever happened, they had to dethrone God in their own heart. See, Pastor, how does that help us today? You can do a parallel to America. We rejected God and began educating our children by teaching them they had no creator and to worship their own thoughts and wisdom. The idols of money and sports and activity and leisure were created and worshipped. There are Christians who miss church on Sunday because they're in leisure on Sunday, because they have activities on Sunday. Or when it's that time of year, they've got to see the football game on Sunday. Would you have, you have a church service that fits in my schedule? No, change your schedule to fit in the church service. Do we think it's a coincidence that the generation we have today, you go back and it's when they were, we were being taught, the children started being taught that there is no creator, there is no God, because... If the devil can convince in the mind of an individual that God did not create him, then God has no right to tell me what to do. He has no right to tell me how to live. This book is just a, a fairy tale like some other book because God is not my creator. Why I look at that book the way it is because I know God gives me breath. I know God gives me life. I know God is the creator of all things. I know my salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ. I know this is a divine revelation. But when you don't think God's your creator, I'm not interested in that book in any society without the morality of this book is a society that leads to its own demise. 
America has regressed in society, not progressed. We have more technology than we've ever had. I trade it all. I trade it all for more moral society. I tell you, it keeps me up at night at what our children face. The filth of this world that comes to their fingertips. The filth of this world. You used to have to go find it. Now, it's at their doorstep. It's in the living room. It's in the bedroom. It's in the pocket. It's in the purse. It it frightens me. It breaks my heart at the battles that a generation is going to have to face because of the filth of this world. I trade all the technology and all the advancements we have to be rid of that. Oh, but you know what? We've got the church out of everything. We've got the Bible out of everything. Bravo. Look at our society. America has regressed. I'll give you two examples very quickly. You look in this list of attributes of a reprobate nation. I'll give you two examples. One says without natural affection. And that same list is also murder. We, you could go to these villages I described, and you find those that give human sacrifices. And you, could, you study history, and there were was, there was some times, and it's even the pages of Scripture, where the moment a baby was born, they are taken, and they are killed with a big stone and sacrificed to their God. I say, Pastor, we're not that uncivilized. No, we just kill them with forceps. But nobody has to be offended by having a Bible at school. Another example is the word implacable. We find it in verse 31. This is going to be very relevant to what's going on in our world today. That word implacable very simply means you can't be satisfied. Have we not seen this play out in the riots? I don't use the word protest. In the riots... Well, we'll make this concession. That's not good enough. Well, they just want this. We'll make this concession. Not good enough. Why can't they be satisfied? Because they are reprobate. And we'll talk about what that exactly means in, in the weeks to come. God has responded to their rejection of Him and has given them over to their own sin, and they will never be satisfied. They will never have a day. Friend, I can tell you, I've, I've shed my, 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 my share of tears. I've had my ups. I've had my downs. But I am satisfied with God. He is everything I've ever needed. He is enough for me. I am satisfied with living the Christian life. There's nothing this world can entice me with that I want to have because I've had enough of God to know He is fulfilling. He brings joy. He brings satisfaction. There are some things that I want to see done for the cause of Christ. There's some things I want to see done, and I may go a day, I may go a week, I may go a year and not be able to accomplish them, but I know what it's like to be satisfied because God has worked in my life. These will never be satisfied. Never be satisfied. That's why you don't give in to the cancel culture. 
That's why when I get wind or word that this preacher better do something or else, you can, you can, you can, you, I promise you that, why? Because they're never satisfied. Number one, I'm not moving where I stand. But they're of the reprobate mind. Say, Pastor, you have really dumped it on us today. You were so encouraging this morning, and, and now I'm discouraged for the week because the world's coming to an end. And No, there's a progression. It helps me when I look at the Bible and I have an understanding of how it happened. Um, I don't know if I'll touch on it in one of these Sunday nights, but we don't need to waste our time trying to change the mind of those whose minds already been changed. Well, I want, let's, let's debate. I'm not interested in any debates. I can find some lost sinner who's on their way to hell, and they just want somebody to tell them how they're going to be saved. That's what we're supposed to be doing in our time. The mission has not changed. Guard yourself at rejecting the truth. It's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing. Well, Pastor, that would never happen to me. It's, you cannot reject the truth of God in a vacuum. The steps begin. Say, so what, what are we to do about this? We, 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 we need, and, and let's be honest with you, I'd rather preach like I preached this morning on what I preached on this morning than what I'm preaching on tonight. We need to understand the late hour that we find ourselves in. Jesus is coming soon. And don't worry about, I've told you before, the vaccine being the mark of the beast. It's not. We won't be here. We won't be here. Now, I'm not telling you you have to take it. Oh, here we go again. Uh, I'm just telling you, when... America falls, listen for the trumpet. And it's not going to fall until God says, go get them. So what are we to do? We're to be faithful. We're to keep marching forward. We're to keep preaching the gospel. We're to find if Jesus is coming soon, and I believe he is. We need to be busier than we have ever been reaching people with the gospel. The devil always gets busier when his hour is short. You and I, we ought to feel the same way if Christ is coming again. And it is obvious as Scripture begins to continue to open itself up and you can see things taking place in our, in our, in our, in our world today. What are we doing as God's people? We should be praying more. We should be working harder. We should be going longer. We should be making greater sacrifices because the time is short. It took a long time to get where we are in our nation. But if God's people don't hold the line and do what the church has been commissioned to do, it's not going to turn back. So tonight it's on us. Say, Pastor, can you change? And this ties in with so much that I've been teaching and preaching on, uh, the, the spiritual wickedness in high places, the principalities. We're not to fight those. We're supposed to reach people. That's how you change it. That's how you, that's how you make a difference. Uh, let's allow this to help us.